Welcome back to another episode of Let's Chat Markets. We're going to do something a little different this week because we have a very special guest from across the pond to help fill us in about what's going on over there as we continue to see headlines about Brexit and climate action overseas. And we just wanted someone to come on and, and give us a bit of clarity on what is actually going on. We've got Chris Walkland with us today. He is a agricultural journalist, market analyst, and consultant specializing in the dairy sector within UK and Europe. He's written about the industry for around 25 years on all aspects of the dairy supply chain, from primary production on farm through to the economics and politics at processor, retailer, and consumer level. He also writes the fortnightly dairy market report for the Provision Trade Federation, which is a trade body that represents many of the UK's processors, as well as articles in the farming press. So where exactly are you within the UK, Chris? Help fill us in so we can picture where exactly you are. Okay, well, if you imagine the shape of the UK and you stick a pin in the middle of the UK and you try and twirl the UK so it spins, I'm at the end of that pin. About 10 kilometers away, there is a, a statue which says this is the middle of the United Kingdom. Well, there we have it. That's perfect. I'm bang in the middle. <laughs> awesome. Well, I hope to uh, be able to come visit and see that statue for myself in the near future here. You're very welcome. <laughs> well, I think we should just start simple here. What did Brexit actually do to Britain's dairy industry? And I know we're still very much in it and it's still impacting what's going on over there. And we know what we see in the headlines. We see empty shelves and supermarkets, the lack of truckers impacting the supply chain. What are the actual main areas of focus? What did we miss? Well, let's let's start by saying what it didn't do. Brexit could have been a disaster for the dairy industry, but it wasn't. It wasn't a disaster because the EU and the UK came to an agreement on tariffs. Uh, there'll be no tariffs and there will be no quotas. But what it has done is it increased the hassle factor and the cost of doing business between the UK and Europe to such an extent that our exports are subject to a lot of EU border checks but theirs aren't subject to border checks here. And if you take a price, our cream price would be significantly lower, currently probably 50 cents to 60 cents lower than the European price on a per kilo basis. Oh, wow. So it has affected our incomes as an industry, but the big issue now is that we have a looming trade war, which could mean we have tariffs again. Now, that's all related to the Northern Irish Protocol, right? Correct. Basically, the UK and the EU did a deal with Northern Ireland because Northern Ireland is the only part of the UK with a land border to the EU. So they came up with the Northern Irish Protocol to keep the free movement of goods, particularly meat and dairy, from the UK to the EU and the EU to the UK. But because of the complications with business, because of the added cost, the UK basically wants to tear that up. And the EU says, 
if you tear it up, there'll be consequences. And the consequences of that is likely to be a trade war and tariffs. But it gets even more complicated than that because Biden is a passionate Irish descendant and he has wagged his finger at the UK government and said, if you screw up Northern Ireland, there will be consequences. Now, if you go back to one of the main sell points for Brexit, the main sell point for Brexit was a trade deal with America, of which dairy and meat would be a part. Currently, Biden has said, no way, UK, you're not getting your trade deal now. If we screw up the Northern Ireland Protocol and risk another period of instability and uncertainty in Northern Ireland, Biden will come down on the UK pretty hard. Wow. So it's not just a trade war concern within Europe and the UK. The US is getting involved. So um... the UK and the US's relationship hinges significantly on the peace process in Northern Ireland, which is linked to the Northern Ireland Protocol, which is linked to Brexit. It's real here. Yeah, <laughs> very complicated. And we've seen pretty solid rise in, in UK dairy moving into the US. So um, there was really high hopes there. So I imagine quite the repercussion and, and negative sentiment around that situation as far as finally moving product into US borders. Yeah. All right. Well, here's another one. Uh, no matter what part of the world we seem to be looking at, the true problem right now seems to be focused around input cost concerns. Is Europe specifically, is their infrastructure strong enough to cope with the rising energy and feed costs that are pretty widespread right now on a global scale? Well, as far as Europe's energy situation is concerned, you really couldn't make it up because Europe is, believe it or not, held to ransom by Vladimir Putin because a lot of Europe's energy comes from Russia. So you'll have heard of James Bond, will you, in America? You know James Bond? Oh, yeah, we're big fans. <laughs> You're big fans of James Bond. So it's a bit like James Bond being reliant on his villains for all his weapons and stuff. <laughs> it is just ridiculous. Yeah, I'd say. It's crazy. And... As far as the feed markets go, again, the prices of feed are very reliant on how good or otherwise the Russian grain market is. So we're pretty linked over here. And there's no doubt that the costs that the processes are facing and the cost that the farmers are facing is really tanking milk volumes in Europe. Yeah, we've we've noticed. I saw the German consultant agency ZMB said that they're expecting September figures to have been down around 0.5% below prior year. So it'll be interesting to see those finalized here. Well, I heard today somebody said that they believe Germany might be now down 2%. Wow. Yeah, we've been seeing some wild figures come out of the weekly reporting out of France and Germany, just really ugly numbers there. We can't see milk volumes in Europe or the UK picking up anytime soon. Yeah, absolutely. Here in the US as well, we're struggling with some incremental milk difficulties and, and just being able to see some strong volumes. 
our latest data that was out in September showed really muted growth. And uh, we're not expecting milk production to really pick up anytime soon here either. So the Northern Hemisphere just in, in a bind, that's for sure. Yeah, there's um, on the milk volume front, there's an interesting psychological difference between US farmers and certainly UK farmers. I'm not sure about EU ones. But when the milk price turns against the farm in America, the American farmers seem to cull very heavily. In the UK, the farmers will sell cows. But what's happened in the past is other farmers have actually bought the cows. So they don't go out of the system. They're not culled. However, I think there's a new dynamic in place now whereby the cows will actually be culled and they won't just be sold and, and circulated. Interesting. Um, that's pretty insightful. Thank you. You know, given those higher input costs that are primarily focused around the energy situation, are we going to see a shift in product mix within Europe? Well, I think we will over the next few years because drinking milk consumption is under pressure in America. It's under pressure in the UK and in Europe. Now, I don't have a problem with that because nobody makes any money out of liquid milk over here. Yeah, uh, it's not profitable, but butter and cheese and powders are profitable. And our domestic market is under pressure from the vegans, from the environmentalists. Yeah. And our retailers are also uh, so competitive that they try and screw down the processes on their prices. At the same time, though, Global markets are booming, they're growing, they're more profitable, and the processes are turning to those markets rather than the domestic market for their future aspirations and saying, well, you know, why should we give product away to tight retailers when we can export it on the world market? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I think that rather than the higher input costs will be the main driver because that change in markets is a long term thing. The energy costs, probably a medium term thing, hopefully a medium term thing. Yeah, I did see that Russia kind of turned on the spigot a little bit to um, move some more natural gas supplies into Europe. So um, prices have come down a little bit. Putin is a master at playing the game. You've got to take your hat off to him. Yeah. He's got us exactly where he wants us. <laughs> and how our politicians have allowed that to happen, I really don't know. Yeah, it's quite shocking. Speaking to what you mentioned earlier about climate change concerns, we had that COP26, pretty topical with everything going on right now. What were some interesting reports or shifts that came out of that meeting? Okay, well, I've got to set the scene from that. And you would not believe some of the things that have happened at COP26. So basically, we had the world leaders come across to COP26 to lecture the rest of the world, the little people like you and me, on what they should be doing on climate change. So what did they do? Between 200 and 400 world leaders flew in on private jets. Oh, boy. Okay. So some of them were flying in every day from an airport called Glasgow Prestwick into Glasgow on a private jet. Now, this is the equivalent of flying from JFK to Teterborough. Wow. That close. But they still came on private jets. 
and they still lectured people <laughs> on reducing meat and dairy consumption. Oh. Not only that, but the delegates that didn't fly in chose not to take public transport. They chose to take cars in, private cars, hired cars. These hired cars were electric cars, which is brilliant, except the charging points were diesel generators. So you can see the degree of hypocrisy that has been going on in COP26. Nevertheless, one of the main messages from our retailers is that consumers must cut their meat and dairy by 20% by 2030. They are still portraying dairy and livestock as the environmental villains. And frankly, our farmers are getting pretty cheesed off. They're really browbeaten on the environmental front and sick to the back teeth of being the villains Whereas in actual fact, they could be the solution to climate change, not the problem. Wow, 20% by 2030? What are they going to stock the shelves with? Soy? Well, I'm, I'm, this, this statement that our retailers have signed a statement under pressure from the Worldwide Fund for Nature. Mm -hmm. so this is a blueprint. This is a pledge. This is aspirational targets. And everybody has to have those to do their part on climate change. But people have to eat. And I think people are forgetting that people have to eat. And they're saying things like 80% of the land in the UK is grass for livestock. And that's terrible. Without actually saying that you can't grow anything else but grass right. on the 80% of the UK. Oh, boy. So there's not a lot of joined up thinking and... They are pushing hell-bent, hell-for-leather, the plant-based diet and the plant-based agenda. And I actually think that that could be really good for dairy because, you know, plant-based things, they always taste better with a bit of butter and a bit of cheese, don't they? <laughs> Absolutely. So I think that would be good. And what we're seeing here is, although there is a drive to reduce meat eating, they're not, the consumers are not reducing their protein. So they're switching meat to cheese. Yeah. That's a massive opportunity for dairy. Yeah, absolutely. They're not cutting their protein out. And cheese demand is a real growth, real, on, a, on a real growth curve, I think. Yeah, even into Asia. It's been wild to see those massive cheese imports, especially in China, take off for a similar reason. Yeah. Speaking of cheese exports, UK's exports, we've seen cheddar exports into the US, out of the UK, increasing 23% this year. I mean, volumes are pretty low, but there seems some um, potential growth there in that market. How do you see it? Yeah, yeah vol volumes are only around 3,000 tons, but it's a good market. And what we've done, of course, we've cheesed off our nearest neighbors, the EU. And what the UK actually wants to do is is instead of joining a trade block or being part of a, a trade block that's effectively 20 kilometers away, we want to join one that's 11,000 kilometers away. And um, instead of selling products into Europe, we want to sell, it, sell products into America and New Zealand and the Pacific countries. I mean, the whole policy is just bonkers, but hey-ho, that's where we are. And I do see growth opportunities in, in America 
not least because the the trade war over Airbus mm-hmm. is parked for a while. I don't think it's completely gone away, has it? But the tariffs that were on between the UK and the US uh, over Airbus and Boeing, I think, have been parked. So that's giving a bit of a uh, a price opportunity for our exporters. That said, the cost of actually getting stuff to America or anywhere around the world with container costs is has rather negated that. Yeah, the bottlenecks are pretty out of control. I think that's, you know, aiding a lot to this inflationary pressure that we're seeing on global commodity pricing uh, because of those high shipping costs and nonetheless not being able to actually move the product out of our borders. We're certainly hearing about a lot of that from traders here in the U.S. I can't see that changing anytime soon. But that has implications for our market as well. Because we left the EU, our government is signing up trade deals all over everywhere. But will the countries that we're doing the trade deals with, Australia and New Zealand, actually have any dairy products to sell to us on a competitive basis, given those shipping costs? The GDT prices don't add up. You can't buy product on the GDT and then ship it to the UK. Just doesn't add up. Right. Yeah. Astronomical uh, moves here on that auction. And Fonterra doesn't, they haven't made any changes on offer volumes heading into next week, but they're certainly historically tight. And the milk production out of New Zealand has been negative. So just a lot of supportive factors here happening on a global scale. Yeah, it's peak month last month, wasn't it, for New Zealand? They were down 4% prior to their peak month. It would be interesting to see those New Zealand figures. Yeah, absolutely. I assume they're going to be pretty similar to September, down around 4%. So pretty ugly there. Uh, Chris, before you sign off here, I really appreciate you spending time with us this morning, your afternoon. What does the cost of production look like uh, at the farm level within the UK? Well, at the moment, our cost of production is, I would say it's about 42 cents equivalent in in your money. However, that's likely to go up next year. And the projected cost of production for 2022 is, is heading towards 46 to 47 cents. Now, that's a litre. Oh, wow. So pretty high. At the moment, markets are keeping pace with that, I would say, uh, but only just. It's going to be touch and go whether the farmers make a turn this coming year. I hope they do, because with the volumes, the pressure, I think, will continue to be upwards. Uh, Yeah, those uh, input costs and cost of doing business are rising uh, everywhere, it seems, so... All right. We're going to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much. That was so insightful. I know our listeners are going to be excited to hear what you have to say and tragic uh, not to be able to see you in person for another year, hopefully next year. Yeah, hopefully next year. And I'd just like to sign off by by saying Her Majesty the Queen sends all of the high ground staff her very best wishes. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Cheers, Chris. Be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And if you're interested in receiving more information as well as our analysis, please visit highgrounddairy.com to request a free 30-day trial today. Futures and options trading involves substantial risk and is not suitable for all investors.